Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Don't marry a guy who agreed to split his identical twins and give one to the mother and let them leave. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. This mother really stressed about, is Kevin okay at home? We're all like, relax. (laughs) With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. I mean, you would think I'd know because I've seen the movie three billion times. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. All the Disney princesses' problems would be solved in five minutes if their mothers weren't dead. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And recently on an episode. I'm going to say they came for me, Amy. They came for me in the Facebook group because I criticized the movie Dirty Dancing, specifically Patrick Swayze's relationship. I believe his name was Johnny. Mm -hmm. And I was like, she's like 15 and he's like 35. And people were like, how very dare you? Well, you, you were pro the movie. What you were advocating for was the idea of like baby's outrage that her parents didn't approve of her dirty dancing was not so off base, perhaps. Right? What I was basically saying, teen parents, like you go to take your two like teens to camp and suddenly like a 35-year-old man who is a gigolo for lack of a better term. I mean, he's having- They made him. They made him be a gigolo. Right? But then, then people were like, well, they made him. I'm like, okay, again, like fair point, I guess. I'm not trying to shame Johnny's character, but I was like, I would not be fine with my 16-year-old running around in the woods with a person who I understood as the plot of the movie makes us understand is a hustler for money- who dances with old ladies for money. Like, I'm team parents. That's appalling. Mm-hmm. For your little girl who you literally named, well, you name her baby. Whose yeah. name is Baby. Yeah, you call you her call baby. her baby because you, right, you breastfed her for 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> and that was apparently, in my mind, 15 years ago. Now, people came for me hard in the group. Not hard, but they were like, first of all, it's a huge point in the movie that she has graduated from high school and is heading to Mount Holyoke in the fall. Oh, yawn. I think people were saying that are like, don't have an 18-year-old yet, which let me tell you, 18 and 16 doesn't feel that different when, once you're but there. But this is what brings us to our topic. It hits a little different now. Like, mm-hmm. 
I watched that movie. I thought it was hugely romantic. I was all there for the lift in the end. I screamed. Reader, I screamed when the, the lift gets carried off. The scene, I wore my jeans cut off at the knees and rolled up twice for the next, I'm going to say 10 years because I wanted to look like baby. Mm-hmm. Loved the movie. Loved Patrick Swayze, although even for me, I was like, he's dangerous. I was a little intimidated. But, but Jerry Orbuck as the father is who you identify with. But now. let me tell you, the mom and the dad, like, what a bunch of squares just because they're, I mean, I was remembering 15, an 18-year-old daughter is running around with the camp hustler, like, who, and then you're, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying, watching it now the parents had a point, Amy. I don't do this too often, but I am going to have to get some Hollywood cred here and say the mom in that movie is Kelly Bishop. She plays baby's mom. And I worked with Kelly Bishop on Broadway. Yes, she played my aunt in the play. Mm-hmm. Wow. Could you call her and tell her that we support her now? <laughs> we think she was completely maligned in the movie. Kelly, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, we should have her on as a special guest on one of our bonus episodes if we can get her. And she's the grandmother in Gilmore Girls, which stay tuned for the Gilmore Girls, but it's the same actress. Yeah, that's right. And it's the same part. She kind of has the gimlet eye. uh, What's the word? Patrician lady who does not care for the nonsense that's going on. Mom getting in the way of the fun, which let me tell you, if you continue auditioning past a certain age in Hollywood, like that's literally every part is like the mom getting in the way. And that age, by the way, is 24. Right. Like the certain age where you age out of sexy roles is 24 and you start playing. I have a friend who is... Like the most striking human being I've ever met in my life. She is perfect body. Like she would be like in a calendar wearing like a string bikini, like laying on the head of a car. She's just insanely gorgeous and very sexy looking. And I turned on my TV one morning and saw her like pouring cereal into the kid's bowl and being like, I trust, you know, blah, blah, brand to give my kids all their. Di- and I'm like, oh, my God, they're casting her as the mom. Like she, they're casting like the hot girl from the hood of the car as the mom. Be- they just put glasses on her and like an apron. And she's like, my kids. And I, I was like, oh, there's no hope for anybody. Right. And we all like everybody's seen the memes like, oh, Ambie Davis from the Brady Bunch who played Alice was like 36 when she played Alice. I was like, oh, that old hag. I hope the butcher will love her because nobody else would. Oh, God, put her out to sea. Yeah, yeah. So it hits different. So, of course, you went to our listeners in our Facebook group and said, what are some movies and TV shows that hit different now that you're a parent? And we have several categories. And uh, one of the main categories is this exact category, like the parents were right. And probably always were. Justine says that I was such a nerd that I always sided with the parents in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I thought Ferris was a manipulative little jerk. And I was right all along. Congratulations, Justine, for calling that one early. I know, Justine. She's my workout bestie. And uh, she's not wrong. Also, my friend Kate, host of Divorce Survival Podcast, Kate Anthony, also came for Ferris Bueller. Like, get to school, kid. You're obnoxious. Yeah. His sister, who's baby in Dirty Dancing, because time is a flat circle, right? And she's, I always identified with her. I mean, I enjoy Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but even as a young one, I got what it was like to be his sister. Like, why does he get away with everything? And everybody thinks he's adorable. I, I identified with that, perhaps overly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when you watch sometimes, we just watched the cheerleader movie, Bring It On. 
I watched it with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Kirsten. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst. Uh-huh. Her little brother in the movie is played by a kid who is a maniac. Like he's so weird. And I think it was like early Bart Simpson days. He has like a Bart Simpson hairdo, but it's just, it was shocking to me. Like how insane they went with this kid. I mean, he's nuts. He's like, he's extremely unpleasant and I mean, funny. But when I think of an obnoxious kid, like he's turned up to 11 is all I can say. Like the cousin in Home Alone. I can't think of his name. Kevin's sort of like bullyish cousin that he's flying to Paris with. Or is it his brother? His older brother. It's like, oh my God. I don't, I'm not a Home Alone person. Well, Rachel is. She says, I can totally relate to Kevin's mom in Home Alone. I used to think she was a neurotic mess, but now I feel like that would be me. It's, <laughs> like, how is like this mother really stressed about, is Kevin okay at home? We're all like, relax. <laughs> Right. Like you're about to be arrested. You've flown to a foreign country without one of your children. Yes. It's one of those movies too that I mean, it hits different because it's just like five years too early to solve all their problems. Like get on the internet, grab a cell phone. Like the whole thing is like they can't reach them by phone. I can't remember what's going on at the police department. Like it is, it's a hard plot to get to because because it's it's 1989. Just call your neighbors and be like, we forgot Kevin. Could you go bring him to your house for a week? Or put him on the next plane. Or the flight attendant would walk down the aisle and be like, I'm sorry, is Kevin, whatever his last name is, O'Connor, a 16B? Has he boarded yet? Like, they do check. It's pre-9-11, so everything, it doesn't make sense. Everything's different. But also, yeah, you, you're allowed to be neurotic when you forgot your child at home. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. Like, what a killjoy. And unbeknownst <laughs> to you two robbers are trying to get him. (laughs) The other thing that's amazing about that movie is that I watched it with my kids. I don't even think I ever saw it before. We watched it with my kids and I'm like, it's about a kid who gets stuck home alone and two robbers break in. The robbers don't break in until like 90 minutes into the movie. It's so late when the robbers show up. I think of it as a movie about robbers trying to get at a kid. I mean, Joe Pesci does show up as the pizza delivery man. Like it's a little even an Easter egg. Like he's casing the house. Yeah, except for my kids didn't pick up on that. It's just like, they're like, where are these robbers? I'm like, good point. Where are they? Right, right. The things that you remember. That's like five minutes of the movie and you think it's the whole movie. Yeah, I'm like, it's a movie about robbers attacking a kid. And it doesn't, that doesn't come in until quite a bit later in the film. There's another parent who was right that several listeners mentioned. Tina uh, says she now really relates to the mom in A Christmas Story, the poor frazzled messy woman you're not picturing this she, i'm not a christmas story person she's there's a scene debbie brings it up there's a scene where it's christmas morning and she's having a glass of red wine at seven o'clock in the morning love it and she's just like over it the whole the whole time the whole movie she's Kristen wig from i got a robe right she's just like i can't i can't yeah yeah but like you know run through the ringer you know like she like her hair's a mess the whole time she's just like you kids gina says i remember being so disgusted by the scene where she says eat like the little piggies eat and now i'm just like girl good job (laughs) girl same yeah and she gets a lamp that's shaped like a a lady's leg and right speaking of i've seen the lamp i mean i'm i know christmas story is one of those i've seen all the references that i've never seen the movie She's just a long suffering, like out of things to give. I can't think of a of a, <laughs> the proper substitute word to use there, but she's just done. She's done on page three and she's done on page 87 of that script. And it, you totally identify her with her 
as a grown up. And then, yeah, but as a kid, you're like, get out of the way. Yeah. All the harassed and harried moms of cinema who we were like, you're annoying. We're now like solidarity, sister. Solidarity. This is one I, I never watched, so I can't really opine on this. But Brooke says Christmas with the Cranks is worth uh, a do you watching. Yeah, we're too old for Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're like, what's this? Brooke says in Christmas with the Cranks, the Cranks put in their time. They raised their daughter. They wanted to take a cruise for Christmas. Why should they feel bad for that? Oh, is that the plot, I guess, that they're like, they're not allowed to go on a cruise? I guess she's. they're making their kids go on a cruise and it's so annoying. Yeah. I mean, Team Cruise, let me just say. What about the parents in vacation? Beverly, what's her name? And People are going to think I'm insane. I've never seen any... I think in Christmas time growing up, we only watched two movies. It's a Wonderful Life and Meet Me in St. Louis. Those are the only two movies we watched. And so I have never seen any of these Christmas movies. I've never seen Christmas Vacation. And now I have no desire to. It's so not my sense of humor. Right. I always feel like with those movies... My spouse wants to put them on. I'm like, oh my gosh, can we just watch like the YouTube 90 second highlights? Because I don't really want to watch a 90 minute movie for that one scene. Just like you were saying about Home Alone. Like, oh, and then the robbers show up. Like they do for two minutes. Let's just watch that. No, they don't. I promise you. Yeah, they come in like very, very late. I'm going to say that I support all portrayals of harassed moms at Christmas time. And yes, it's definitely, (laughs) yeah, like, yeah, it does stink to be the mom when, you know, we remembered everything except for the kid, and now we're in trouble. Or it's Christmas time. We're not happy, guys. Spoiler alert. Right. She's done a lot. When I think of It's a Wonderful Life, the more I watch that movie, and I've watched it many times, the more I sort of identify with Jimmy Stewart. What's the uncle's name who loses all the money? I mean, you would think I'd know because I've seen the movie three billion times. Uncle, yeah, what's his name? I'll call you at three o'clock in the morning when I remember the uncle's name. He ruins everything. Jimmy Stewart is so, and I feel like the mom in that is like barely aware this is happening. And Jimmy Stewart is so patient and so long suffering with this absent minded uncle who just keeps ruining everything. Let me tell you something else, though, about It's a Wonderful Life. It's a love story about a guy falling in love with a mom who then you later see as the mom. Like, I kind of like that about the movie. Mm -hmm. It's Donna Reed. He hangs the moon for her. Their daughter is named Zuzu. And it's, I like that movie. I think Donna Reed becomes kind of a problem at some point. God, I haven't seen it in a long time. I could rewatch. I don't think she does become a problem. I mean, she doesn't have like her like lost years or anything. She just sort of waits around for him to get wise. But then he dies and she's maybe just depressed that he's dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's not dead that long. I hope you've all watched It's a Wonderful Life because we've... Well, it's another movie where you're like, it's about a guy reliving his life as if he had died. And that's, again, a very small part of the movie. Yes, exactly. Clarence, the angel. He gets his wings. All right. Well, let's take a break. We come back. We have even more movies that hit different now. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. So I have been taking my Nutrafol regularly and oh my goodness, it works. Friends, I'm here to say, ditto, it works. I mean, most of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. And yes, it's perfectly normal. But if you also see your part getting a little wider, join the over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow based on your age, your lifestyle factors, because a one-size-fits-all approach to hair products is impractical. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth by targeting key root causes of thinning like stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LAUGHING. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LAUGHING. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LAUGHING. Carla is so right. Carla says, I gotta say, what the hell is Mary Poppins thinking? (laughs) (laughs) mayhem utter mayhem team mr and mrs banks yes she says the gaslighting little miss practically perfect in every way shocking and disgraceful says carla i'm worried for jane and michael as she should be let me tell you i revisited that movie my daughter and i have an unhealthy relationship with the film the sound of music like i probably forced her to watch it 750 times with me but like we just do the whole movie we just i'm obsessed with that movie it's a perfect film it's a perfect film i love that movie too but also another role where the countess like listen she's no maria but she's got a point too she's just trying to marry her boyfriend she didn't ask for a little singing and dancing nun to come along and show her up. She does it very gracefully. If you remember, she's laughing and trying to make it work with Gaylord, her boyfriend, played by Christopher Plummer. And then she's like, oh, won't it be wonderful when we do this? And he's like, what's her name? Not Helga, but it's something like Helga. Let's pretend it's Helga. Helga? Inga, maybe? Let's stop pretending it'll never work. And then she turns to him, and she looks out in the night, and she says, somewhere out there is a young lady who I think will never be a nun. And then she walks gracefully in the house and with her beautiful self. And I'm like, listen, 
I'm kind of team Countess too. Like you go get what you want, Countess. Don't hang along with this drip who's running off with a nun. This ties into another movie that one of our listeners mentioned, which is The Parent Trap. Katie points out, there's a couple things to talk about to unpack, but first let's talk about the dad's girlfriend. Katie argues that the dad's girlfriend is not the villain. She didn't know about or sign up for step parenting two kids. That is on the dad, says Katie. So now she's <laughs> she's here for the dad's girlfriend. She's a little bit evil stepmother. And I got to say, the part where they put the honey around her tent and the bear gets her is phenomenal. I mean, but yeah. I mean, first of all, don't marry a guy who agreed to split his identical twins and give one to the mother and let them leave. Like already we've got red flags of Rama. You're like, I'm sorry, the plan was what exactly? Your, your wife gave birth to identical twins and you each just kept one and never told the other one. Let's do a screenplay. Let's do a lifetime, you know, like the Stranger Lives Outside movie where we're going to redo the parent trap. As a horror movie. As a domestic horror movie told from the stepmother's point of view. I mean, print the money right now. Huge, huge. Gina brought this up. She said, this is not really siding with the parents. This is, in fact, definitely not siding with the parents. But have you rewatched the parent trap as an adult? What were these parents thinking, splitting up their twins without having, without telling them they had a twin sister? She's right. I don't side with them. It's the most perfect movie. It is. Wait, which one? Which one are we talking about? The first oh, one? Or come this one? on. The original. Only the original. I've never even seen the other one. Not interested. The original 1950s. Fun fact. I need to make a, a side comment here. Right. Like, Go ahead. Who does Margaret look exactly like? All right. I'm going to put up in the show notes for this a picture of me as a child and a picture of Haley Mills in that movie. And tell me if you can tell the difference between the two of us. Haley Mills plays the twins in the original Disney movie. And I said it to you, I mean, I remember years ago saying to you, do you know who you look exactly like? And you're like, it's Haley Mills. And I'm like, yes, I do. Because I've been told it my whole life. When I was the age that she was in those Disney movies, people would stop me on the street and be like, can I take your picture? They're like, I know you're not Haley Mills, but I mean, I looked so much like her as a kid that people would stop me on the street and take my picture. It happened like two or three times. Things turned out a little... And I'm one of the people in this world who when people say, do you know who you look like? I'm like, yes, I do. Right, because it's the one person. It's Haley Mills. Haley Mills, that turned out a little bit better than Lindsay Lohan, just in terms of, of life after child stardom. Yeah, she turned out to be... She was the original principal in Saved by the Bell. It was originally called... Saved by Haley Mills? Mrs. Bliss, and it was all about her. And then they fired her. Again, it's like from the principal's point of view, these kids are all so annoying and are never in class. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> then it turned out Nickelodeon. <laughs> the target audience didn't want to hear the Cheetah Point. I know. God, I love The Parent yes, Trap, but it is absolutely. a psycho, psycho movie. But man, when she cuts the back of her dress out at camp, I can't. When she sings that little song, you really ring the bell. Oh, oh it's so good. I love it. Going to make my daughter watch it again. Jenna says uh, re-watching Gilmore Girls makes her want to slap Lorelai like 90% of the time and Rory like 80% of the time. Jenna's chief beef is that they never eat a meal in their own house and she's not sure they ever pay for the meals in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> They're just leeches. Yeah. I mean, I never really liked it in the first place, but it's... I've never seen Gilmore Girls. I'm very up on pop culture, but today I'm just getting hit with all my blind spots. I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls is, you know, one of those like meet cute... Like, yeah, it's pattery. I know it's like talky-talky. It's 
chatter, but like, exactly. I just watch it the whole time. I'm like, nobody talks like this. Nobody talks like this. Nobody talks like this. That's what I think every moment that I watch Gilmore Girls. But I realize we've probably lost several thousand listeners at this point because there are other people who live and breathe it. I think the girl who was the mom in the Gilmore Girls, not the mom mom, the mom. Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren. What's her name? Yeah. Graham. Lauren Graham. I think she was in my college class, maybe. Yeah. She's like our age. I mean, the whole point of that show is, right, that she's like kind of too young. She had a kid really young, so she's kind of too young to be a mom. So they're actually more like friends. And it's her mom that's the same woman from Dirty Dancing that's trying to ruin all the fun for Lorelai and Rory. That's kind of the point of the show, right? Yeah. Everyone's trying to ruin their fun. Can we talk about Mrs. Doubtfire? Oh, yes. (laughs) This is an insane one. This is a prime example. Yeah. Sally Field is like so uptight and high strung Mm -hmm. and Robin Williams is so fun. Right. Why won't she just let Robin Williams bring a pony into the house? Yeah. What's wrong with her that she's so uptight? And Kim makes the excellent point. Then she gets a chance for a piece of Pierce Brosnan and he tries to ruin that for her too. The woman deserved a piece of Pierce Brosnan, dude. Yes. She leaves her husband because he's just like a ne'er-do-well who doesn't have a job and he's not helping. He's like a grown man-child with no sense of boundaries. Right. Then she sets a boundary and instead of him being like, I have to do some work on myself, I'm going to really focus on you. He dresses up like a woman and re-enters their lives while she's just trying to like go to work and... (laughs) Can you imagine if you were like trying to get custody of your kids? And I mean, I'm worried that we're all going to be so tuned in that we're not going to be able to have movies anymore because I'm like boundaries, dude. Cassie says that Robin Williams's character should have spent some time working on himself instead of creating a new persona to parent his children. Yeah, that movie's deranged. I mean, it's completely deranged. Loved it. Didn't really pick up at the time. In any way that like stop being so uptight. And come to think of it, like Robin Williams's Mrs. Doubtfire character is also an uptight woman, but like it's funny because he's a man pretending to be it. The other one just is an uptight woman, and that's not funny. No, that's not funny. That's terrible. All women are uptight. It's funny when you're pretending to be one. Yeah. A man playing one is <laughs> hilarious. Brought up Full House. Really good point. She said, I used to think Danny Tanner was super strict and out of touch, but I rewatched the original Full House with my kids. And then I realized he is a suddenly widowed father with three daughters, the youngest one basically an infant, actually twins, but, you know, one slash two kids, right? We didn't know it at the The, time that they were really twins. The kids pushed every single envelope and then two man children move in to help. And she says without Danny Tanner, it would have gone off the rails frat house. He's she's doing his best. Yeah. I wonder if you could still make... Movies like this today where it's like, I mean, there was, I mean, I can name off the top of my head, uh, Mr. Mom, Full House, Three Men and a Baby, Three Men and a Little Lady. Oh, Three Men and a Baby. Yeah. But like the plot of the movie is what if men had to take care of children? Like that was the entire plot of these films in the 80s. Like, I'm going to pitch you something crazy. No, it doesn't take place on Mars. It's even crazier than that. What if a man had to take care of a baby. Like, that's the whole pitch. That's wait, it. Wait, what? <laughs> it's too out there. And people are like, I love it. Let's make six of them. Right, right. And so Danny Tanner is in Full House. I'm going to also say, like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays the nanny, like, or the kindergarten cop. Like, kindergarten cop. That's it. 
What if a man was responsible for children under five? Back when the title was the pitch. Print us some money. (laughs) I got an idea for you. Kindergarten cop. Danny Tanner can be a good caretaker for his kids, but only if he's like super annoying. See that this is the problem. And it is the person who takes care of everybody is the fun police and is super annoying. So that's almost always the mom. But in the case of Full House, it's Danny Tanner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because what makes it funny is that the dad suddenly becomes like shrewish and woman-like while he takes Mm -hmm. care of kids. Jessica brings up Molly Weasley, that she's team Molly Weasley in the Harry Potter movies. That's the mom of the redheaded kids, Ron Weasley. Yes, of Ron and the twins. And when they go to... I mean, I I got nothing. Who is Molly Weasley? She's kind of a mom in a Christmas story, but not as like hard bitten. Oh, but she's more like, she's like a loving, jolly version. And her kids are clinically insane, right? Like she has the twin boys who are like constantly exploding. Right, right. Their house is insane and messy. And they live in like the hollow. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're driving her nuts. There's something kind of lovely about that, though, because I feel like a big part of the story is that Harry Potter doesn't have parents and that he lives in this very, like, awful home and that this, like, chaotic home where, like, the mom still manages to love everyone is, like, his second home. Like, there's something kind of lovely about the way they do it there, I think. Right. Everything's messy, and she has a sense of humor about it. But she's not, like, the Dursleys, the family he lives with. I mean, they obviously hate her and make him live in a cupboard. But And Petunia, yeah. They're, like, richer and, like, they have ostensibly a nicer home, but the Weasley's home is filled with, like, love and chaos. Happy chaos. Love and chaos. Right. It's interesting. Like you can live in a tidy house where everybody's mean or you can live in a super messy house where the mom is really relaxed. And let me tell you, that tracks from my own personal life. (laughs) We are team Weasleys over here. And yeah, it's not clean, but it's full of love. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, I think we should come for the Disney movies. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, things we say that make us suspect we might be oldie locks. From the What Fresh Health Podcast. Oh, I hurt myself turning over too vigorously while I was napping. Oh, that wasn't long ago. It was about like 10 years ago in the late 90s. I hope they gave you a discount on those jeans with the big holes in them. I can't understand any of the words to this song. Is it from the TikTok? Why is Madonna playing on the oldie station? Honey, don't worry. If I'm going to be late, I'll leave you a message on the answering machine on your cell phone. Hold on. I'll be right there. I just get up from the couch. Kids, stop screaming in the car or I can't concentrate to parallel park. I just need to print out this email so I can read it more carefully. Oh, let me get a picture. You look so cute. Okay, hold on. Somehow it's on video. Oh, no, wait. Now it's me. No, I don't want a picture of my face. How do I flip the camera? Please stay still. You're so cute. I'm going to get it. What is portrait mode? You know, back in my day, this has been things we say now that make us suspect we are Oldie Locks. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Oh, Disney movies. You know, in every Disney movie, the mom is dead. That's the theme. That's right. Gina says all the Disney princesses' problems would be solved in five minutes if their mothers weren't dead. It's like what you're saying about Home Alone. Like, here's the problem. The mom isn't there. They're doing it. It's amazing how you have to kill the mom right away for anyone to have problems. (laughs) I, when my kids were little, this is long enough ago that, you know, we had DVDs. Like, if you wanted to watch Finding Nemo, which we loved... You had to put in the DV anyway, and you can bet I was like, tick, 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 like skip, 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 skip. We skipped right to Nemo's first day of school. I don't think my kids knew there was a first 10 minutes of Finding Nemo. Like they, they found out like it's like grade schoolers and they're like, wait, there's this whole other part to Finding Nemo. I'm like, oh yeah, we always skipped that. I just would put it in press play, then skip, 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 skip. That is hilarious. That's like on Friends, Phoebe finds out that Rin Tin Tin dies in the movie. She's like, I love that movie. The boy and his dog <laughs> and they just live together and they're like, and then and she's like, or no, old yeller, maybe, whatever it is. She's like, and then nothing. It's great. They're just friends. And they're like, no, there's another part of the movie. And they show it to her and she's traumatized. And that's funny. So, so they turned off, yeah, they turned off old yellow early in her house. Christina, I want to say, advocates for uh, Marlon and Finding Nemo because, again, the mom's gone. So the uptight, annoying parent in this case is the dad who is worried about his son going to school by himself, which Christina says, Marlon lost his wife and 1,000 babies in one gulp. His remaining child is disabled. He has a right to be protective. Good point. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Here's a whole category that's Disney and not Disney. Okay. So I'm kind of, I'm coming back out of Disney, but it's an important one, is the 
I'm not a baby anymore category, which is dirty dancing. We started with that. But another nobody uh, puts baby in a corner. Another nobody puts baby in a corner movie is The Little Mermaid, where Ariel tells King Triton, who is like 16, right? 15. She's 16. She's like, I'm not a child anymore. And like, yes, she is. Actually, yes, you are. Have a seat. Have several seats. You're 16 years old. Have a seat. That's right. That hits differently. And another in this category is Say Anything. Do you remember that movie? I loved that movie. I can't say I remember it all that well. Ione Skye. God, she was so beautiful in that movie. It hits different. It's a great movie. John Cusack, Ione Skye, and I can't think of the debt. Another absent mom. What's the really cool Lily Taylor? Oh, Lily Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love her. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. I mean, but definitely told from the teenager's point of view as it was supposed to be. But you go back and look at it now and it's the same thing. Like, Dad, I'm not a child anymore. So I'm going to leave you and go live with this like unemployed guy in a trench coat. She's 18 years old. And it's like, goodbye. I'm like, I'm living my new life now. I don't want to go to college. And he's like, oh, okay. And off they go. (laughs) And it just, it hits different watching it now. Like, "Mm, I'm not sure. And she's like giving up a full scholarship to like for love. And it's all good. Yeah, no. And I mean, it is funny being on the other side of so many things as you get older. Like I was always the kid. My role in the family was very much like, I respect no one and no one tells me what to do. Salam. Like I was that kid. And I would just look at parents and be like, how can you be so lame? Like, how is it even possible for you to be so close-minded. And I am just now having tweens and teens starting to have conversations where I'm like, that's not a thing. And they're like, how can you even live being this dumb and small-minded? And I can't believe it has come for me, but it definitely has. And we were talking last night, apparently there's a new version of Snow White coming out and it's been very held up for a lot of different reasons. And I think that people are like, do we really need a movie with like dancing dwarves anymore? Are we still doing that? Like there's part one. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Number one. And then I guess the actress, I don't know. I'm probably butchering the story and someone listening knows it and is like, you are a dum-dum and that's nothing what happened. But what I understood from talking to my tweens about it was I'm probably not getting the world's greatest information is that the actress in the movie said something like, well, obviously we're not going to make a movie where an unconscious woman gets kissed by a man. Like that is... Isn't that Sleeping Beauty or does that happen in Snow White too? It happens in Snow White too. <laughs> oh my God. She's, she, gets, she takes a bite of the apple and she falls unconscious. Diversify your storylines. <laughs> right. Of course. Yes. And then the prince kisses her and wakes her up. Like true love's kiss. Right. He kisses her and the apple comes out of her windpipe. Right. right. And. Right. Right. Okay. It's just funny. Like if you start applying real world rules to stories, it's a problem. Like it's definitely like, yeah, I guess we shouldn't be kissing people who are unconscious. It's not a great look in the real world. It is Snow White though. (laughs) I mean, maybe don't make it, but I I don't know. I don't even know where I am on that spectrum. I'm so lost in it, but yeah. It's not even kissing people who are unconscious. It's kissing somebody in a glass coffin who's presented as actually not alive, an unalive person. Yeah, it's actually kissing someone you think is dead. Good point. Like that's problematic as the kids say. It's problematic. I get it. And there's no mom around. So like you think the mom's annoying, 
But look what happens. The mom would be like, back <laughs> off the coffin, buddy, if you don't want to deal with me. She would just do the Heimlich maneuver. She dies because there's apples stuck in her throat. The mother would just be like, everybody back off. I'm going to do the Heimlich. And then, and then her life would continue. But it is also funny, like, at what point, you know, I feel like Frozen was very much a movie where we were kind of going, it's insane to what a prince on the first day, it turned the whole thing on its head in a really cool and fun way, you know, like both parents not around, right? And then what happens? <laughs> the parents are dead, of course, because it's a Disney movie, but the older sister kind of plays the role of the mom, you know, like, how could you marry someone you just met? And then it turns out that is a huge mistake. And then it turns out that like the act of true love is between the sisters, you know, and that is cool. Like it's a cool new version of the story. Like the guys don't really, aren't really involved. And the two sisters use their own power to like overcome the obstacles of the story. I was all for it, but you can't have every story be that story. Like some of the tropes of the damsels in distress and the shrewest stepmother, like I get it. We're wiser than that, but you got to tell stories too. Someone's got to be the bad guy. There needs to be a bad guy. Right, right. Have you watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame? I don't believe so. This was, I mean, I remember my younger sisters were really into this movie and it's very like, it's very good as a sort of, like, creative, like, the music's amazing, the story's amazing. It's a Disney, like, animated, songy, dancey show. Yes. It's based on the, well, I'll let Elizabeth explain it. She says, I was watching The Hunchback of Notre Dame with my five-year-old, and I couldn't help but wonder how in the world this got made as children's programming. Let's imagine the elevator pitch. This is all Elizabeth. So this story features prostitution, the persecution of minorities and people with disabilities, obsession and abuse narratives, lots of questionable sexual content, plenty of fire, and a great soundtrack featuring a recurring theme from the Latin mass kids will... I'm watching it now. Now I'm definitely going to watch it. Deeply weird. My sister is, loved this movie when she was younger. And now she's like, oh, yeah, it is like a deeply weird movie that there's this scene where the bad guy sings a whole song about how his lust for Esmeralda endangers his soul. And it gets like really dark. It will go over the head of your five-year-old. There's no um, parent to agree with here. I mean, I don't think the Hunchback of Notre Dame has parents. I assume that's why he's the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> I think he's stuck in the tower because nobody loves him. But it's basically one of those movies like the whole thing is like, wait a minute, why was this ever made for kids? Why did anybody show this to children? Which is a sort of different point, but a good one. Have we talked on the podcast about like the theory of like scary materials, like fairy tales and kids? Like we should talk about it because there's a lot of really interesting stuff about like Basically, like, you should not skip the part with the shark in Finding Nemo. Like, that historically, children's fairy tales were, like, extremely scary and gruesome. And that, like, Babar, the elephant, the French story, I don't know if people still know who Babar is, but, like, it was kind of like a thing in our childhood. Like, these stories about this elephant named Babar. Yeah, I mean, I, like, all I remember is, like, he used to, like, go on picnics. Was there a dark side to Babar? Oh, okay. His mom gets shot in the opening scene of Babar, as does Bambi's mother. Like, the stories are about children facing, like, horrors and trauma and finding their own independent strength. But they're scary stories in a way. You know, they start as scary stories. And I think that our tolerance for scary stories with our kids has gone way down. And... 
children's anxiety is completely on the rise. Now, I am not in any way trying to make a one-to-one like thing, but I do think that tolerance of fear is an important skill that we underestimate the need for, even in really, really little kids. I mean, it just makes sense from like a storytelling you know, hero's journey point of view. The mom has to be out of the picture so the kid can begin their their journey where they're the hero of the story. That's right. But like, I'm thinking of Calvin and Hobbes where the parents are, it's interesting if you watch Calvin and Hobbes, I actually wrote something about this recently. His parents are there, they're just kind of there, you know, like dinner's on the table. You don't don't know their names, you don't know anything about them. And whenever they're in the frame of the cartoon, Hobbes is just a stuffed tiger. He never comes to life when the parents are in the frame, but the parents are in the next room and he's a tiger. And so I feel like that makes a sort of larger point that like the kids, the parents have to literally be out of the picture for the adventure to begin. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right. And the mom is very reactive. Like she's always like, I used to joke with my kids all the time when they did something wrong because we loved Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin! Because like that's (laughs) often her just thought bubble is like, you know, he says to Hobbes like, yeah, I found some ketchup and like Calvin and you know, you're going to go in and find like ketchup strewn everywhere. But she's just in the next room. She's not eaten by a shark. (laughs) So no, no, no. She hasn't been killed. She hasn't been killed. She's just a room away. So I understand. She's just a room away. But you do identify with Calvin's mother. Certainly if you have a rambunctious child, you're like, oh boy, I feel you. I feel you, Calvin's mom. Yeah. And I think I definitely remember taking my kids to Frozen. They were really little when that movie came. I didn't even take my daughter because she was two or three. I thought she was too young. And the part where the parents go off on the boat, the boat sinks. It's like, I think in the middle of a, oh, it's a, do you want to build a snowman? The ship sinks and the parents are killed. And I'm like looking over to my kids like, oh my God. How, I mean, they're four and five maybe. And they're just like, they don't really care. You know, they're into it. They're experiencing it as part of the movie, but they're certainly not traumatized. Oh my gosh. Have you ever seen the, there's like a TikTok thing of little kids, like two years olds watching the part where Mufasa gets killed in the Lion King. And they're like, oh, their little lips start to quiver and they're crying. Like little babies understand that. Like I've seen one about there's a dinosaur that's calling for his mama. And she's like, I'm feeling sad. The dinosaurs, he wants his mama. Yeah. And they understand it, but they don't want to not watch it. They're not like, turn this off. It's too much for me. Right? Yeah. They're glued to it. That's what's interesting. They're not. And certain kids, like I definitely had a kid who I spent the entire <laughs> last half of the movie Toy Story 2 hiding behind a garbage can with in the back of the theater and trying to assure them that I guarantee you that this movie does not end with Woody getting shipped to Japan in a storage uh-huh. box. Like, like it's not actually going to happen. Right. I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think that's the end of Toy Story 2. And like, not every kid is drawn to it, but I do think it definitely serves a role. Got to kill the mom or make her so shrewishly impossible uh-huh. that they have to find their own way in this uh-huh. world, Amy. The Toy Story mom. I mean, she's another long-suffering, pretty nice, though. Yeah, her kid's in college. She's still dealing with those toys. Good <laughs> Lord. Talk about someone you can relate to. I'm like, throw those things out. Right. Again with Mr. Potato Man. Yeah. Amy, I think we solved it. We solved I think we, <laughs> everything about... We solved why... The new perspective. The parents were right. Right, right. We're hashtag Goldilocks, and we're team mom. That's all we can say at this point. Let's finish with this one that I really can't opine on, but it's a good point. Kristen says, Michelle Pfeiffer, in one fine day, has a giant bag with every darn thing imaginable, 
And she said, I remember as a child thinking there is no need for anybody ever to have a bag that big. But now as a mom, she's wondering how Michelle Pfeiffer's bag could have been that small. (laughs) That's hilarious. Don't even remember it. But like the trope of like the mom with the giant bag that has everything in it. And like, ha, 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 ha. Let me tell you who's coming for my TikToks and Motrin, though. Everybody else, because I have my giant mom bag. Yeah. Thank you to everybody who has been liking and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or all the places that you listen. It's probably pretty easy if you've never done it right now where you're listening to throw us some stars and you can write a review or you can just give us some stars. We would love that. It really helps, particularly with Apple Podcasts, to prove to brands and everybody out there that like people are listening. That's a metric they really look at. So you're really helping us. Thanks. Yeah. And we are not only only locks, we are an oldie locks podcast. So sometimes, you know, they turn off, you're not following anymore, you're not subscribing anymore. So please make sure that your follow and subscribe is current so that you'll always have us in your feed. And with that, hashtag team mom. And thanks for listening. (laughs) Talk to you next week. Bye. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how All of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life stucks. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.